to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Wow, how wonderful was that this morning. Man, our children's church, we really want to thank you guys. We want to thank the Allsops as well. You know, so many of you have put in so much of work, so we, uh, we, we, we really appreciate that. We cannot thank you enough. And uh, through all of what is happening, you know, I can, it's, it's so wonderful to see so many of you just uh, rising up like this. So we truly appreciate that. Friends, uh, uh, family, those of you who are joining us live stream, not just within um, here in the city of Casey, but even outside of Australia, we just want to thank you for tuning in and we want to welcome you and we hope and pray that uh, what you've heard thus far has been really um, something that has, has ministered to you and I want to share with you a word today that I, I'm sure is going to really bless, is really going to bless you. I mean, what an amazing uh, season we are in and today as we celebrate the Resurrection Sunday, as we call it, Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday, we just want to wish you a happy and a blessed Easter and, an, and just an awesome Resurrection Sunday today with you and your, your family. And um, can I maybe, uh, um, you know, put this before you. Just a couple of days ago, it was Friday, wasn't it? And today, it is Sunday. So isn't that amazing? A few days ago, it was Friday, and today it is Sunday. Can I get an amen from all of you who are watching us? Come on, say that. Say that one more time. Amen. Man, be a little bit more convincing. That's right. That's right. That's great. How about saying it with me now? Okay. Can I? Um, it was Friday, but it's now Sunday. One more time. It was Friday, but it is now Sunday. And something something awesome happened on, on Sunday, right? And we're going to have a look at that today. Now, this is a very different Easter, right? We are not gathering in our church. We are not gathering in our church building for many of us around the world. And it's not just us here, but uh, this has impacted everyone around the world. And I'm sure our hearts are a little, uh, a little heavy as we come together in isolation. You know, friends, uh, Jesus himself was isolated as he bore our sin, shame and guilt. I mean, through the time of his pain, he was alone even at the garden as he, as he uh, went to the disciples and said, can you please pray with me? And, and there was this sense of loneliness and being, being isolated, being, being, being on his own. So he can certainly uh, empathize with us. He knows how we feel and all of that. And that's the most amazing thing about this Jesus that uh, we are celebrating today, his, uh, his resurrection really. Now, many of us have had life-changing experiences, and I'm sure even right now, you know, so many of us can relate to that. And it has completely changed our perspective. Uh, probably getting married, you know, would have been a, a, a real life-altering um, experience. Being single, and now that you're ma- and now that you're married, having children, losing a loved one, for instance, a divorce, a loss of a job. You know, events like uh, 9-11, our recent bushfire, and now our current coronavirus. You know, all of these experiences, right, whether good or bad, they've, they've created a new normal. 
and that's what's happening right now. There's a, there's a new normal for us. I mean, we've, we've not done a lot of live streaming at all, but now it's a regular occurrence. Every week we're doing that. Every week we're putting packages together. And I, again, want to applaud our team and, and really thank them for just rising up at this point in time with just the minimal equipment that we have. So we're really thankful. Hallelujah. I think you should, you should uh, say thank you as well, wherever you are. Come on. Let's thank our team. Wonderful. Now, the resurrection of Jesus from death to life is one of those life-altering moments, right? We just witnessed this morning uh, the struggle of the two uh, on, the, on the road to Emmaus, right? There was, there was this struggle. There was this confusion. They could not make sense of what had happened, right? Their hero was going to be the answer, right? to their very, very difficult circumstance. Their Messiah was now dead. So how do they respond in a setting like this now? Jesus then joins them, as you would have seen and heard, on the road for the next 11 kilometers or seven miles, right? And explains to them from the Old Testament everything that was written about him and, the, and that the Messiah actually really needed to suffer. Now, they didn't recognize him Reason being, there was worry, there was anxiety, there was, there was this sense of fear, there was this sense of confusion. And that happens to so many of us that when we are in a setting like that, we are unable to see the Messiah in our midst. We are unable to see this Jesus in our midst. So are you at that place where there is the sense of fear or anxiety? And the good news is this, that he's alive. Amen. The good news that he's alive and that fear and that anxiety can be taken away from you. Right. Feeling it is 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 one thing, but allowing it to come and take a hold of your life is the other. Let Jesus come in and take a hold of you this morning. Let uh, be reminded of the fact that he broke. He, he defeated death and he rose again this morning. Right. Now, something happened as they sat with Jesus and as they, as they continued on this road. Something really happened as they sat with Jesus, broke bread and had communion. Their eyes were suddenly, suddenly opened, right? And they began to recognize him. Right from that day onwards, and 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 their hearts were 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 were, were filled with joy, and and there was this burning sensation that they had inside on the road, but they just couldn't couldn't, I suppose, understand what it was. Now imagine their lives after that. What would have happened to them after that amazing experience? And you find that Jesus did not just want to isolate the, the resurrection as an isolated um, um, event. He connected that to the Old Testament and to several other things. And that's, who, and that's what Jesus, uh, Jesus does, that everything that he does has a reason, right? So he has already spoken about, the word of the Lord has spoken about Jesus uh, paying the price, becoming the sacrifice and rising. He had already spoken about that uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Now, prior to Emmaus, 
Jesus unveils yet another I am statement. This is part six of our seven, uh, of our seven I am series, reintroducing Jesus as we've coined it. Right, and this statement taken out of the Gospel of John in chapter 11, verse 25. Now, it gets the attention of several who were in Bethany at that point in time who were present. And Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Right, I am the resurrection of life, taken from John chapter 11. And I'll just read verse 23 to verse 27 for you. Now, Jesus said, if you can turn to your Bibles, that would be amazing. Um, Jesus said to her, which is to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Not just the resurrection, but I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And a response in verse 27 was this. Jesus said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And so let me give you a little bit of context to it. In every I am statement that, that I've shared, I've brought, I've brought context. And this, uh, the context of this is, is, is really, really interesting, right? It is the very last miracle performed by Jesus before going to the cross. And it was a miracle, and, and the miracle was raising Lazarus from the dead. So imagine that. He's going to die. He's going to be raised from dead. But he also then before that doesn't immediately attend. When he hears the news about Lazarus, he waits four days just to make sure. And he tells the disciple, Watch, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't go because this is for you. So four days later, he goes when everything seems a total impossibility and he goes. And you know, this, and you know the story of what actually happens and he, and, and, and he calls out to Lazarus. In fact, he says this, right? Lazarus, oh, within the Australian uh, context, I suppose, maybe he would have said, hey, Lazar, come forth. And the Bible says, he who has... He who has had, he who's been dead for four days, come forth, bound hand and foot in the grave clothes. And Jesus said, now loose him and let him go. So imagine here, someone who was dead for four days now, he says, come forth. And he begins to come and they untangle this or they, they, they unbind uh, Lazarus. Now Jesus confronted death here. Jesus challenged death and he conquered death. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, you know, friends, to this statement of Jesus, he's the only one. He's the only religious leader, if I were to put it in that context, that died and that rose again. Many others have died and they remain dead. And they may be good people, but here is someone who is sinless, who took upon himself our sin and who paid that penalty, who became the sacrifice and he rose up 
right? He rose up, and this is such an important aspect for us, and I will share all of that later. So skeptics speak out against the resurrection. Now, many theories are out there in an attempt to show that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a fake, right? As most of the facts surrounding the resurrection are undeniable, really. Most of those attempts have involved placing a different spin on these facts, right? And he says this, that there has to be another explanation. That's their mindset. There has to be another explanation. So let's concord something. Let's come up with something else. It can't be that he's alive. So few skeptics deny the essential events like the trial, the crucifixion, the burial, the guards, the Roman seal, the empty tomb. All of these were important aspects, friends, right? Because historical evidence strongly supports, strongly supports all of what I have just mentioned. Instead, they focus on suggesting this, and this is important, that these events don't mean that a dead man came back to life. Their attitude can be summed up as, hey, there has to be some other explanation. Some critics even have suggested that the apostles convinced themselves. They saw visions of Jesus because they were mentally distraught, right? Others speculated that people were interacting with Jesus after his crucifixion because he hadn't actually really died, right? Still others postulated this, that Jesus' disciples made up the resurrection just because they could. Now, there are three main theories that I'd like to really tackle this morning, and I just want to bring that to you. And, and, and... As, as we deal with those three theories, I'm also going to bring three different truths to combat these three theories this morning, right? So the, the, the first is what is called the swoon theory, also called the resuscitation theory. It says that Jesus merely fainted on the cross from pain, shock, and loss of blood. Jesus was then mistakenly buried alive. Now, some historical facts on the resurrection. Jesus was beaten and whipped by the Roman guards, exposing his flesh, right, with a cat of nine tails. Now, Jesus was so weak after his torture that he couldn't carry the cross to the crucifixion side. Jesus had spikes driven through his wrist and feet hung bleeding for six hours. The Romans thrust a spear deep into Jesus' side, confirming beyond a shadow of any doubt that Jesus was dead. Jesus prepared for burial according to the exacting Jewish custom. His, his, his body encased and, and in wrapped linen and spices. Now Jesus was then entombed and a massive heavy rock was rolled right across the tomb entrance and it was sealed. A unit, of high, a unit of highly trained Roman guards vigilantly guarded the entrance knowing they would be punished if Jesus, Jesus went missing or AWOL. Right? So the, the, the swoon theory then suggests that the cool, damp air of the tomb somehow revived Jesus after three days. Imagine that. And uh, th this was inbuilt air condition, I suppose. And he decided to exit. Now, despite not having access to good medical care or nourishment. So Jesus, supposedly in the dark, 
you know, was, was able to unwrap himself and then find the entrance where the roll was and to push that stone or to roll that stone. He couldn't even push it because the wave, you realize, and if you see that, you know, uh, the, the, the stone had to, be, had to be rolled, right? So imagine Jesus doing that. And still unnoticed, he walks out, still unnoticed by the guard. Jesus supposedly walked away on feet, punctured by the cross, uh, by, by, uh, by the cross nails to rejoin his disciples, right? Imagine that. So this theory greatly underestimates the severity of Jesus' wound. Historical sources confirm that Jesus was horribly tortured and confirmed dead by several sources. He was removed from the cross. If Christ had only swooned in his weakened condition, he could not have walked the 11 kilometers on the road to, Emma on, on, on the road to Emmaus. It would have been impossible for someone who had suffered those wounds from the crucifixion to so quickly give the impression that he was the conqueror of death and the grave. Could the Roman soldiers have been asleep? Is that how Jesus supposedly made his sneaky escape? Now, Peter Kreeft, an apologist, says, No way! The story of the Jewish authorities spread that the gods that the guards fell asleep and the disciples stole the body is, is unbelievable. Roman guards would not fall asleep on a job like that. If they did, they would lose their lives. And even if they did fall asleep, the crowd and the, and the effort and the noise it would have taken to move an enormous boulder would have awakened them. And let me take you to the second theory, which is the hallucination theory. So by virtue of me saying hallucination, I'm sure you, you already quite understand what it is. It states that many who saw Jesus in his resurrected body just imagined doing so. <laughs> Note, hallucination come from, it comes from within the person, not outside of a person, meaning hallucinations are entirely subjective. So science tells us that generally only particular kinds of people have hallucinations. People who are paranoid, maybe or schizophrenic, or people who are under the influence of drugs. Now the New Testament tells us, however, that all kinds of people saw Jesus after his resurrection. Different ages, different occupations, different backgrounds, different viewpoints. Hallucination in this context happened more than once. So imagine over that period of 40 days, all of them just hallucinating. To, and it, it was to the ordinary people. So hallucinations do not cause people to change or create new beliefs. The fact that many people chose to believe in Jesus after talking with him and touching his wounds also helps refute this theory. Hallucination are an in, it's an, it's an in individual event. Could it be a mass event, you reckon? If 500 people have the same hallucination? That's, that's a bigger miracle, actually, than even the resurrection. And now that leads me to the third theory, the conspiracy theory. And you know, we, we live in a day and age right now that everyone's trying to conspire. Where did this coronavirus come from? Which country? Which person? Who? Right? All of that. 
There's so so many conspiracy theories. JFK, um, Elvis Presley, right? They say that he's alive. Man, if he is, I'd be overjoyed, right? I love Elvis Presley. So the fact that the Bible tells us, but I love Jesus more. Amen. Hallelujah. Just wanted to clear that in case uh, there was any confusion there. The fact that the Bible tells us that lots of people saw Jesus over a 40-day period helps us to really debunk this final theory. The conspiracy theory suggests that Christ's disciples simply stole his body and fabricated the resurrection story. Now, the great Eusebius in 314 to 318 was the first to argue that it is inconceivable that such a well-planned and thought-out conspiracy could even really succeed. Eusebius sarcastically said this, let us now band together to invent all the miracles and resurrection appearances which we never saw and let us carry the sham even to death. Why not die for nothing? Why dislike torture and whipping inflicted for no good reason? Let us go out to all the nations and overthrow their institutions and denounce their gods. And even if we don't convince anybody, at least we'll have the satisfaction of drawing down on ourselves the punishments of our own deceit. Now, Chuck Colson, the Watergate scandal, he knows full well how difficult it is to keep conspiracy together. And this is what he says, I know how impossible it is for a group of people, even some of the most powerful in the world, to maintain a lie. The Watergate cover-up lasted only a few weeks before the first conspirator broke and turned state's evidence. Now, a quote from Know, uh, know What You Believe. Know What You Believe. Men will die for what they believe to be true. Though it may actually be false. They do not, however, die for what they know is a lie. Isn't it interesting that people are able to believe a theory full of holes, but are unable to believe the truth? Jesus' disciples, though they faced horrendous persecution, all but one was martyred. They were willing to die never renounced their belief in the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because they knew that the resurrection to be true. The resurrection to be true. Man, I'm sure that deserves an amen. Come on, let's shout it out. Amen. 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 We can trust the radical transformation of Jesus' early followers. You know why? Because we can clearly see the Holy Spirit in action today working to transform our own lives. As well, I mean, at the age of 19, when I came to know the Lord, I mean, I, I saw a radical change in my own life. You know, to the point of even deciding to go into full-time ministry. Never in a million years would I have decided to do that. But that's because Jesus, it's because he came and he transformed and continues to transform my life. But let me counteract this with three truths. Right? The tomb in which Jesus was buried was discovered empty by a group of women. 
on, on the Sunday following the crucifixion. Now, why is this important, friends? Because the testimony of women in the first century Jewish culture was considered worthless. They were marginalized. Hence, their testimony was deemed worthless, right? So they were the chief witnesses to the empty tomb. Accepting this can only be plausibly explained whether we like it, if, whether we like it or not, that they actually discovered the empty tomb. Right? Let me say that accepting this can only be possibly explained if, like it or not, they actually discovered the empty tomb. Right? Another important point to consider is that the resurrection was preached in the same city that he was buried, in Jerusalem. So can you imagine now, they're preaching about him resurrecting and if he's still in the tomb. I mean, that would be a lie in itself. But they were bold enough to speak that, to preach that they're the disciples. My second aspect, the second truth is this. Jesus' disciples had real experiences with one whom they believed was the risen Christ. And you'll shortly see 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 8. Paul records an ancient creed concerning Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection uh, appearances. And he says this, I passed on to you what was important, and that had also been passed on to me. Jesus died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time. I also saw him. And the second uh, verse that I would like for us to look at is in John chapter 20, verse 19 to 20, where it says, That Sunday evening, the disciples meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Friends, the first, this was the very first Easter and he appeared to them in their homes. Today, we get to likewise celebrate his resurrection in our homes. He's there with you. Maybe even appearing to you right now. So if we feel that Man, this Easter, we're just in our homes. Hey, let's count it a privilege because the very first Easter was spent at home, right? Where he appeared to them, even in that sense of fear. And some of us, some of you may be feeling that sense of fear. What's going to be happening? When will this change? When will this, when, when will, when will this virus be totally dealt with and destroyed? And Jesus comes to you right now, right? So the, the disciples preached the resurrection. That was their core message. The Christian church was then established and grew. And that was 
The third aspect that the existence of the Christian church is a strong proof for the resurrection. Amen. The, the, the Christian church, the fact that the church is growing is, is, is really strong proof of the, of the resurrection. So the empty tomb is, is an important aspect. The, the disciples experience and the fact that the church continues to grow. And as I, bring, as I, as I begin to bring this to a landing and as I, as, we, as I begin to conclude this morning, I want to conclude with this in mind. So what then, what is the importance of the resurrection then? What is the resurrection of Jesus Christ necessary for? Why is it important to us today as we begin to look at this, right? The, the first thing, there are five aspects here, and I'm, I'm going to go as quickly as I can. You've got the recording so you can listen, so you can listen to this, right? It is the importance, the importance of the resurrection is this, that it proves that Jesus' claim about himself are true. What he unveiled to the two on the road to Emmaus is true, is true. It shows, number two, it shows that Jesus defeated death. Now in Romans chapter 6 verse 9 it says this, We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Death is the enemy of mankind. Amen. Death is the enemy of mankind. Because in Romans chapter 6 verse 23, this is the outcome though. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, through Christ Jesus our Lord. So, hence death was our enemy, but now it ain't. It's not our enemy. So by rising from the dead, death could no longer hold, hold him. And we no longer have to fear death because Christ has triumphed over it. Amen. Death is no longer our enemy because in Christ, we no longer have to fear the punishment that comes after death. Oh, death in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 to 57. A very famous verse. Oh, death, where is your uh, victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through, through our Lord Jesus Christ. The third point is this, that it proves the gospel to be true. So the, the importance of the resurrection, the, the, the resurrection of Jesus proves the gospel to be true in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to 5. The fact that Jesus is alive today means that he is able to save today. Not just yesterday, not just tomorrow, but today. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he defends the truth of the resurrection by explaining the whole Christian gospel. Right? That it that the whole Christian gospel depends on this. And if Christ was not uh, has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. But if we if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are, own, we are of all people most to be pitied. If that's all we have, 
right? Since Christ was raised from the dead, we have hope of having our sins forgiven, being made right in God's sight and having eternal life through Christ. Number four, the Holy Spirit. Again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was necessary because the Holy Spirit will be poured out into the hearts of those who believe. After Christ had risen and ascended, he was able to send the promised Holy Spirit to continue his work on earth. His ministry continues today, friends, through you and I, his followers, in whom he dwells by the Holy Spirit. He will help you by the Spirit, strengthen you, convict you, and guide you into the life that God himself desires and has called you to. Right? In Acts chapter 2, verse 33, it says this, Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And the last point is this, number five, we will be raised with Him. Hallelujah. Amen. We will be raised with him. Christ is described as the first fruit of, of resurrection from the dead, meaning that his resurrection is, is a precursor to the resurrection that all believers in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, it says that, right? All believers. For as by, by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Wow. Alive. The kids sang that song. He is alive. He is alive. They declared that. Right? Or in Romans chapter 6 verse 5, it says this. In the ESV, it says this. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall suddenly be united with him in a uh, resurrection like his. Our resurrection will be owing to uh, our resurrection will be owing to our union with Christ, who was raised. If he wasn't, we won't be. If he wasn't, we won't be. So, in the same manner that he was risen, body, right? Not just the spirit in body. So are we as well. So let's go to the gym and make sure that we're all really nice and fine and trim. Amen? No, but our bodies are going to be, good news, our bodies are going to be glorified. Hallelujah. Amen. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. So Christ's resurrection is important because ours depends on His. If He wasn't raised, we won't be either. Friends, as we conclude, I'd like for us to respond today. There are two responses. Martha's conundrum. Jesus, if you were here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. This is, Martha is saying this. And Jesus now begins to respond. Your brother will rise again. Friends, Resurrection Sunday is truly about the impossible. He waited four days to begin to declare and show them that, hey, I can do this. 
It's impossible, way more impossible, but watch me do this. The difficult, it's truly, the Resurrection Sunday, it's truly about the difficult, the too hard basket. The Jesus I wish I had turned to you sooner, regrets upon regrets upon regrets. And he comes to you today and he says, I am the resurrection and life. I am. That's who I am to you. The resurrection and life. Now the truth, the resurrection should convince us today, should convince you today that you are so important, that you are so valuable that he wants to have this relationship with you. And if you're watching us, if you've never come into a relationship, and if you've just considered him, if you just know about him today, let me invite you into this relationship with him and say, Jesus, and pray it with me, Jesus, I, I want to receive you, Lord. Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you rose, that you resurrected. I believe that my sins now have been forgiven. It is not counted against me. And I believe that in the name of Jesus, I count you as my Lord, as my friend, as someone that I want to follow. Amen. And if you've done that, if you've invited him, you know, send us a message. Let us know so we can, we can, fo we can follow up with you on that. Right? He wants to come into your heart. He wants to create that. He wants to make a home in you. And in your home, that's where he wants to come in. Finally, this is the response. The other response. Like Lazarus, many of us are in isolation. We are cut off from everything. Right? Lazarus was cut off for four days. He was dead. But friends, your Sunday is coming. Your Sunday is coming. And he will begin to unwrap all of this around you. He's going to remove this around you as he says, come forth. Come forth from your isolation. Because the time will come when this virus is, going to, is, 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 is not going to be here. It's, it's, it's going to pass over, right? It's not going to have the impact that it's having right now. And when we come out of our isolation, there's something awesome and powerful that's going to happen. So wherever you are right now, don't think for a minute that Jesus is too late. He's coming to you and he will come to you at the right time. So don't ever give up. Continue to be in that position of, of saying, I will be still and know that you are my God. I will be still and know that you are my God. So as I end with this, let's say that one more time. I, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and life. I am the resurrection and life. God bless you, my friends. And I pray that whatever you might be facing right now in the name of Jesus, where you might be facing a difficult time, just bow your heads. Where you may feel, I am forgotten. Hear the Lord coming to you and saying, I will raise this up. I will provide. 
I will heal. And I will invite you out. And at the right time, you're going to experience an amazing time of celebration and a, and a renewedness for you. So receive the power that comes through the resurrected Christ that is in you. And you remember the verse in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 that says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can think or even ask for according to the power that is at work within us. God bless you.